Today's commandment is commandment number two. And if you just gloss over it quickly, you might think, thou shalt not have any idols. Okay, can we move number three? And you might think, well, that's just like for other worlds. Or that's like for, for uh, people in, that have shrine houses and Buddha. I don't have a Buddha in my yard. I don't have touchdown Jesus in my backyard. might like to, but I don't. And so, but idols are more than just statutes. Idols are more than just images. Idols are anything that keeps us from pursuing God or get in the way of God. I've been across the world and it, it wasn't uncommon for me in Southeast Asia, in Vietnam and, and in uh, Cambodia and Thailand to see shrine houses basically everywhere you go. There they are. And, and every day they offer sacrifices to these shrine houses, to these little gods who worship Satan. And I've seen Buddhas literally 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 feet long out in the middle and people will travel for miles to go and bow down before this plastic Buddha who is, is just a statue and somehow that, that there's power in this statue. And so I understand what idols are, physical idols. I know what an idol is that we look at. And so when we look at this, we say, well, are they in America? Do we bow down before an idol every day? I mean, I didn't come here today and bow down to this statue. So can we just kind of skip over this one here, Jim? An idol is anything that you hold on too tightly to outside of Jesus. It's anything that, that you grab a hold of and, and you say, this is more important than Jesus. Anything at all. And so the question is this, is it just something that happens in another country or does it happen here? Let me ask you this question. If you found out and you, you got this buzz on your phone today, I hope it is on buzz or vibrate, and, and, and you got this text message and someone sent you a text that says, your house is on fire. Your apartment is on fire. Your vehicle is burning. Your warehouse or your business is on fire. You better get here quickly. Because if you want to save anything, then you only have a few minutes to get it. If that was the case, and you knew you had a few minutes, what would you run back into your house for? What would you run back into your business for? What would you run to your storage unit for? How many people would you say, grab this, grab that, grab this, grab this? What is it that you might go after? Because that thing means more than other things mean to you. Got to be very careful because that thing that you think is that valuable that you're willing to risk your life going might very, very well be an idol. So do we have idols? Do we have them in our lives? Is America a country that has tons of idols or is it just to other countries? Grab your Bibles and we're going to go on a very, very tough journey today. And I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. Open your Bibles and you'll see Genesis and you'll see Exodus. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. By the way, if you don't have a Bible and you come to Grace, we use our Bibles. We encourage you to bring them. If you don't have a Bible, take this Bible home with you. And if you have one, just leave it on its seat and we'll share it with someone else in another service. But turn to Exodus chapter 20. And let's look at verses 4 through 6 today. Stand with me and we're going to read it together. Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. Let's read this second commandment together. 
ready, read. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You may have a seat. Today's message probably will hit you harder than maybe the other commandments. In fact, you might leave this service today and not really like me, but I don't care. Because this is God's word. You might walk out of here and say, wow, He must have been reading this about me. He must have been in my garage. He must have watched my vacation plan. He must have watched me pull in here today. No, I didn't. I'm just, I'm I'm looking at God's word. And I'm going to ask you to ask yourself some hard questions about what you value in your life. First, what is an idol? It's where we find our identity. An idol is where you place your identity. It's what identifies you. It's like when you think of yourself, if I have this or I have these or I can do that, it's, it's where you invest your time so that you can collect and possess that so that that identifies with you. It is anything other than our identity in Jesus, then it's an idol. Anything other than your identity in Jesus Christ, it's an idol. It is where you find value. It's where you invest an obsessive amount of time. It's where you find value. It's anything that we deify outside of Jesus. We deify? Oh, yes, we do. And you're going to see at the end of this message, there are many things that Americans deify. It is when we live for something in place of God. It is distorted worship because you're worshiping a thing instead of the creator of that thing. It's what you place your hope in. Boy, if I could only have this, and if I possess one of those, and if my IRA was this deep, then, whoo, I'm okay. It's what you find hope in. Or if I could marry her, oh, I would be set for life. It's what you place your hope in. It's what consumes your planning and your resources. It's what your checkbook says is valuable. It's what your investments and the money for those investments go to. It could be your GPA. It could be, oh, if I could just have a 3.9, if I could just have a 4.0, then my identity, the pursuit of that idol, I'm the valedictorian, I'm the salutatorian. For some of you, it might be a 2.0. It might be your job. Boy, if I could just land that job, then look at me. I work there and I have this job. And I wear this outfit. And this is my paycheck. How about you? It's what you place your value in. It could be your IRA. It could be your children. 
wow, my child, he's able to do this. And my child, he's in four things. And my child, oh man, you mean your child hasn't passed that level yet? Your child isn't in algebra in seventh grade? My kid's been taking it since kindergarten. It might be what you place your value in as children. It might be your identity in your marriage. Boy, I married the stud from high school. I got the jock. I got the cheerleader. I got the salutatorian and the valedictorian. I got the most likely to succeed. I got the class clown. It might be your success. Boy, another business. Boy, I just started another business. And look at me. The guy before me, he didn't take us to that level. And the trajectory of this business took off when I started. And you remind people quickly, hey, here's where we started And when this guy left and I started, we're a $9.7 billion business now. (laughs) Your identity might be in your position, and it could be an idol. Your identity in an idol might be in your beauty. It might be in a newest hairdo. It might be, look at my suntan. Look, no sun marks at all. Look, no farmer's tan for me. I lay in the booth as much as I want. Look at me. It might be in your likability. Do you find identity in your likability? Everyone likes me. It might be in your ministry. Boy, that church on County Road 21 and 36, they got it gone. It might be in your handicap in golf. It might be your identity in your collection. I have every piece of china from this year on. I have every baseball card. I got a rookie card from Johnny Bench. I got a Ty Cobb card. It might be in your collection. I have this motorcycle, and I have this boat, and I have this car, and I have this, and I have that. Look at me. Come to my house. These are my gods. Idols place great pressure on you to keep it up. Think about that. What in your life is pushing your button to keep it up? Boy, I need to marry him, and I need to marry her, and I need to have this by the time I'm 30, and I need to have this by the time I'm 65, and I need to have this amount of money, and I need to have that house, and my kids need to be here and go to that school, and I need to dress this way, and I need to have this tan, and I need to be fit, and I need to be healthy, and I need to be in charge, and I need to be on top. It's the pressure that you feel at night that causes you not to sleep. What keeps you up The very thing that keeps you up might be an idol. It's the pressure to keep it up to win. It's the pressure to hunt in a certain place. It's the pressure to keep your GPA. It's the pressure to have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. And so we got the fancy sprinkler and look at our plush lawn and boy, it stops right here and you can tell there's his lawn, there's my lawn. Listen to me, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with any of these things, but if you're obsessed with them and if you feel pressure to call true green three times a week, it might be your idol. It's the pressure to have the nicest car. <gasps> Pastor Jim, I'm not driving in that stone driveway. We need to blacktop that thing. I wash my car, and by the time I leave the parking lot, it's dirty. You know what? That'd 
vehicle might just be an idol. It's the pressure to always be beautiful. And on the outside, you have all the glitz and glamour. And inside, you are dying, but you would never tell anyone. And you have the pressure to look the fittest, to be the most beautiful, the most handsome. And inside, you are dying. Some of you are worn out trying to just keep up. Maybe, just maybe. The thing that's putting the pressure on you might be an idol. Or how about this? How about when this thing is taken away? When, when it's threatened or taken away from you and you're paralyzed, I will guarantee you if this thing or this pursuit of this thing is threatened or you are paralyzed or, or immobilized when it's taken away from you, there's a good chance it's probably an idol. What if you lose your health? What if you woke up this small, tomorrow morning and you found out your body was just riddled with cancer and you had no idea? What if you found out from the doctor this week that that twitch in your calf was muscular dystrophy? What if you found out that you had six months to live? Would it rattle your world? Would you be paralyzed? Would you be immobilized? Would you be content? What if you lost your job? Would it paralyze you? Or would you say, my God must know what's going on. I did my best. I worked as if I was working for the Lord. And God, you are in control. What if it, you lost this girl in a relationship? It's like, but she's the one God and I know she's the one. I just love her. Don't we look so nice? Look at us. What happens when she is taken away? Is your world wrecked because of this woman? Is that where you find your identity? Or is it in Jesus Christ, the creator of that woman? Or how about, boy, God, I want to have children. I just can't. And you find out that you're infertile. Does it wreck your world for the rest of your life? Or do you say, God, you know what's best? even though it's painful and there's a period of grieving or does this grieving continue for the rest of your life? And maybe God's got another plan, but God, I don't like that plan. When it's threatened or taken away, it might be an idol. Or how about your sports team? How about when your sports team loses? Does it wreck your world? You know, we've talked about it here on many occasions that when Notre Dame football loses, that the spiritual temperature and atmosphere of the Sunday morning crowd is... And it's been a lot that way the last 10 years. Seriously, do you lose sleep at night when Notre Dame tanks? Ooh, that one hurts, doesn't it? Woo! How about when your kid gets cut from a team that you believe they were better than them? And they come home and they say, Mom, Dad, I didn't make it. Does it paralyze you? How about when your kid goes astray and you've done everything you could, parents, to lead them into the truths of God? 
You prayed over them. You, you fed them the word. You, you loved them and you taught them along the way. And when they turn 17, 18 and they run away, does that paralyze you? Is your identity in that he and she remain steadfast? Maybe your children have become an idol. You know, I, I, I'm talking to myself here. Yeah, you know, I can remember a time, you know, I'm a sports fan and I was what you would call a die hard redskin fan. Now, I don't try to soften up die hard. I can remember on Sundays, if the Redskins lost, and they have lost many, many, I said 10, it's probably been 20 years of loss after loss. I remember I would not even watch Sports Center on Monday. I couldn't take it. That they repeated that this play and that play. And I, I remember even as a young kid, I hated going to school on Monday if my team lost. And there's not a guy in here who understands what I'm talking about. And I remember thinking, man, Jim, this is out of whack. If my world is paralyzed because the Redskins lose, then I'm going to be paralyzed nine months out of the year. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, they were an idol. Turn to Romans 125, look in the New Testament, see what Jesus has to say through Paul. Look, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 125. Paul had this conversation. And he says this. After God had seen what they were doing and their love for sin and their love for just pursuing um, sexual promiscuity, and and then look what he says in verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a what? A lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. See, here's where we run into problems. When the thing that's been created by the creator becomes over top of the creator, then it's probably an idol. When it's taken away by someone else too. Now think about this. Let me ask you this question. When something is taken away, like the boss gives them the job and you know that you're more qualified. And it's like, all of a sudden you're angry. You're bitter against that person. It might be because that position became an idol and an obsession of, obsession of yours. And all of a sudden you're angry. All of a sudden now you wanted that guy. And this girl here gets that guy. And you're like, wait a minute. And you hate this girl that you never met before. It might be because that was an obsession. That was an idol. And some of you are even mad at God. God, why would you allow this sickness in my life? God, why would you allow me not to have that job? God, why did you allow this? How come they get all that stuff? And you're mad at God because of this thing that you want to find contentment in and joy in. And he has yet to allow it to happen. And you are angry at the creator who can do whatever he wants. Okay, let me ask you this question. Is this commandment pertinent to you, to you now? Here's some just random observations about this commandment. Look back at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4 through 6. Here's some random observations. It's long. 
And sometimes we just want to stop with, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on earth, and stop there. But it continues. Look again. Look, follow along with me. It says, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's long. It's the most repeated commandment in the New Testament. It appears over and over and over. And you know why? Because we still struggle with it. Here's another observation. The danger is great if you break it. This rule, this commandment, prohibits us from worshiping any man-made images. And it covers the heavens, it says. It covers the earth and the sea. It does include statues. It does include pictures. It does include primitive images. It does include hand-woven bracelets. It does include Christ's followers from the past. The minute we focus on anything created other than the creator, it could be an idol. Or how about when you think there's like special power? If I wear that necklace, that crucifix, that's the one. When I had that one on, I got the job. And you're going for a new job. Where's that bracelet? Where's that necklace? Or can I have this? And maybe, it, maybe it's something that you wear. Maybe it's something that's in your house. It's like if I hang this picture of Jesus on the wall, like somehow there's, there's intrinsic value in this portrait. And it's like when that picture's in the room, Jesus is here. Listen to me, our God's omniscient, our God's unknowing, our God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He doesn't need a picture that you place on the wall and say, hi, I'm here. He's here. Think about this for a second. The minute we focus on anything outside of the creator, we've idolized it. In a world where people flock to stadiums and jerseys of their teams, do you think we have an idol problem? Think about this. They run. That's my team, blue and white Indianapolis Colts. Look at me. I have to throw away my 18 and get another number. In a world that we sit in front of our, on our lazy boys with 37 remote controls, with surround sound, and the bigger the better. I mean, they got 60-inch screens these days. How big is big enough? I want to be able to stand life-size and reach and trip them. Do you think we have an idol problem? Oh, not in my house. Not at all. I don't worship that team. And my world's not wrecked when they lose. Never. In a world where we flock to hear that singer and we throw ourselves at him on the stage and if we could just touch their arm. Do we have an idol problem? Oh, never, 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 never. In a world where we'll stand in line for hours to get an autograph, someone actually wrote their name when there's a name above all names that's way more powerful than any written name. Do we have an idol problem? You bet we do. 
Or how about, I love that group. Do we have an auto problem in Elkhart County when we will wait in line for 48 hours in a tent in a chair for REO Speedwagon? <laughs> Holy cow! No, I don't worship them. Then take your tent and put it in your backyard. So ask someone from a third world if they think America has idol problems. (laughs) And they'll say, you know those stadiums that you have that people flock to? You know those large screens? You know that program called American Idol? And some of you are so distraught because you couldn't get 17 texts in that night, so your person won? Do we have a problem? Oh my goodness, yes! The danger is great. God says, if you break this commandment, the sins of the fathers will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. A generation is 25 years, 75 to 100 years of idol worship and hatred against God will be passed down because you loved your 68 Camaro Rally Sport hideaway headlights, Craigers door exhaust, and five-speed Muncie Rock Crusher transmission. That'd be awesome, by the way. That's what it means. God, just give me two weeks. I promise not to worship it. I would burn a rubber right off that puppy. (laughs) In a world in which we worship people instead of our God. One of the ways I try to guard against it is the pastor of Grace Community Church. And I fail often. I never introduce myself as Pastor Jim Brown from Grace Community Church. People ask me who I am. I'm Jim Brown. I'm the husband of Ann. I'm the father of Joshua, Hannah, and Isaiah. I'm the child of the living God, Jesus Christ. I don't need anything in front of me, and I don't need letters in front of me and degrees behind me. I don't need Reverend in front of me because I am a child of God, and my identity is in Jesus and not in a degree. Let me tell you, there's some advantages to that too. We eat out after Sundays, love doing it. And so we'll go to restaurants and we'll sit in lobbies. One of my favorite things to do is to say, hey, where'd you go to church today? And they'll tell me, and I say, that's a great church. They're doing a great job. And they look at me, where'd you go? Um, I go to that church on 21 and 36. It's a pretty good church. I mean, it's, it's changing my children's lives. And what do you think about it? Man, is that fun. <laughs> well, I heard that that pastor will tell me everything you heard. <laughs> Listen to me. It's so easy to worship people. Some might argue that an image even is, well, Pastor Jim, that's just an aid to worship. Sure, it can be, and you'll see us use images. But remember this, no image can be used to replace the living God. That's why I always struggle with with people who have sainted other people from the past. 
Not to speak disparagingly about saints, but the minute you saint this person and saint that person and saint that person and make a statue around them and about them and we bow down and we want to touch them, listen to me, the only saint I know is the three in one. Everyone else has failed miserably, including myself, and are sin-laced people. And the only credit they need to get is not from man, but from God. Boy, that's hard news though, isn't it? I like saints. I like touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame. I just wish it worked. (laughs) Some have asked about Grace Community Church. I can't believe that church doesn't have, I've heard that. So we go to church, I go there, I go there. Yeah, that building is like, it looks like a recreation hall. Looks like a sports complex. What, What do you mean by that? What doesn't have any crosses on it? And it's like, you wouldn't even know it's a church. And I'm saying, praise God, we don't worship crosses. We worship the Savior that was on the cross. And so when you walk into our tour, we've had people say, Jim, why don't you put a cross behind it? I said, because the Savior's already done his work on the cross. We don't worship a cross, we worship Jesus. Or how about the, how about, how about, how, these people like, I just want to say, man, that is so whacked out. They, they find these waffles in the shape of Jesus. <laughs> people will flock for miles. Let me touch waffle Jesus. <laughs> if that is an idol worship, I don't know what is. Or they'll see this shadow on the wall. It's like, it's in between these trees and they snap these pictures. There's Jesus. Can I come and worship this? No, he's here already. Just talk to him. This is the only commandment that comes with a threat and a promise. So if you and I worship an idol, your children and their children will pay the price for it long after you're gone. God will punish them, he says. This is where the sins are passed down. This is where we go to and we say, hey, these sins are passed down. It comes back to idol worship. That's the sin. It's passed down. It says, God hates it. He's a jealous God. And if you do it, your lineage from here on out will be cursed because you worship that. You found your identity than anything outside of Jesus Christ. Think for a second if you don't think that's true how it plays out in counseling. Have you ever walked into a counselor and one of the first questions they say, hey, tell me about your family. Tell me about your mother and your father. Tell me what it was like in your home because I want to get a full picture of what, how your, 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 your present has been shaped. And you'll say, my dad was like this. And my mom was like this. And this was my situation. And here's what happens. Parents, listen to me. The way you honor and love your God affects the next generation. You and I are a product of our past. In many ways, we are becoming just like our parents, which could be really good. God doesn't take this lightly. In fact, he says he will punish you for three generations to come. Every marriage 
should think this through. I mean, it says God is a jealous God. You know, that just blows my mind. Why in the world would God be jealous of my love for him? I think about that. I think, come on, God. It's sin-filled. It's sin-laced. It's up. It's down. It's inconsistent. And he says, Jimmy Brown, I'm jealous for that kind of love. That's passionate for me. And he says, not am I jealous for it, but if you don't give it to me, I'm going to punish your family. We must constantly evaluate our priorities and make sure we worship him and him alone. An idol is anything besides God that becomes a controlling obsession in our lives. It's anything besides God that becomes a controlling obsession in our lives. And if we hold too tightly to it, he will often just remove it from us. And you know why? He's jealous for our love. And so you know what he does through our lives? He continues to take this away, break down that idol, wipe you out here, knock you down the bottom rung. Listen to me. Listen, you can learn from experience or you can learn from what God's word is. If you want God's blessing on your life, then just be all out for him and not all out for you. So you see it happen. God allows this girlfriend to leave and this boyfriend to leave. And it's like, you had this plan for this wedding. You know what he's going to do? He's going to knock that person away from you. If you're not all out, if you're not sold out to him and you call yourself a Christ follower, just cancel the date. He's going to take that job away from you where you're secure. He's going to knock it out because he's jealous for your love. Cancel it out. He's going to take that career. He's going to take that investment. It's Jesus plus nothing is everything. God loves us too much. Let something come between us and him. He's jealous for our love. And as we age, he just continues to break down the idols one by one until anything left. It's just like, have you ever seen it happen? Someone's at the bottom rung. Their whole life is just gone. And they're like, okay, God, I trust you. And he's been working, trying to get you there. There's a tremendous blessing attached to this commandment. In fact, the threat is far less than the reward. Three to four generations of punishment is passed down, but a thousand generations is passed down for those that are faithful. Just a little sidebar here. God in scripture tells us to keep the Ten Commandments. Matthew 19 and verse 17, it says, obey them, keep them in the King James. John 14 and verse 15, it says to obey them, keep them in the, in, in the King James. God says to keep the Ten Commandments and not protect them. There's a huge difference in my mind. This is a personal, personal thought on this. We got to be very careful when we worship the plaques and the stones as memorials that are set in front of courthouses, that are set in our community. I watch people come unravel because they removed this plaque that had the Ten Commandments on it. And I say, are you worshiping the plaque? Are you worshiping the God who created the commandments? Listen, if you get that out of whack, you begin to worship the very thing that has the Ten Commandments on them. You want to honor the Ten Commandments? You want to keep them? Live them out. They can't stop it. See, that's different. It's like, whoa, you mean Pastor Jim, they they took it out of the courthouse? Did that upset you? No. I'm just telling you, it didn't. Because God's still alive. He's still around. There's his people. But we better amp it up. 
If somehow we think this plaque and this stone lying in front of a courthouse or in a room is somehow going to say, God's saying, I'm here. We are kidding ourselves. He promises his love to a thousand generations. So what gift are you going to pass on? God's good on his word, Christ followers. This incredible promise, way past your life. They're going to look back and say, my father, my grandfather, my great, 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 grandmother, my great, 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 grandmother was faithful. And because of her faithfulness, I got God's love and favor on my life. That's the best gift that you could give anybody. Not a car, not a bank account. Not a house. Not a number 18 jersey. The greatest gift that I can give my kids would be for them to know that my daddy followed hard after Jesus Christ and I'm blessed because of it. Your God has a chance to become your children's God. Your values become their values. Our children will have a fighting chance because of a faithful mom and a faithful dad. Besides, think about the time it just takes to manage idols. Seriously. It's like I got this rental unit over here and I got this collection here and I got this dust collection here. And man, the market goes up and down on these baseball cards and this china that we never, ever use, but it's in the china cabinet. Look at it. That just boggles my mind. Give me a plastic plate. It's just food. Think about it for a second for crying out loud. What's been passed down from six of my grandmothers. Well, praise God. No, it's been passed down from six of my grandmothers. Jesus Christ. You see, it's an authority issue. I know you don't like me right now, but I don't care. When God becomes the only thing we worship... He has full reign of our plans and our stuff. We are no longer in charge of our life. He is. You see, it's an authority issue. We give him ownership of our life and plans. He has the right to change our lifelong dreams. I want this, God. And he says, no, I want you to have that. He has the right to answer some prayers with a no and some with a yes. But God, come on, this is a desire of my heart. No, it isn't. It's not a desire of my heart. And you're okay with that. Okay, God, whatever is best from you. He has the right to promote you or demote you, and you're okay with that because your contentment and joy and value is in Jesus, and he doesn't leave when the boss kicks you out. He has a right to allow sickness in your life. He has a right to allow financial insecurity and to allow unhealthy parents and to allow unhealthy children. Listen, because they're unhealthy doesn't mean that God isn't alive and well. You have to realize that God doesn't owe you anything. See, that's the American spirit. God, you owe me. No, God doesn't owe you anything. The only thing he has promised us is him Everything else is just a bonus. Not fame, not happiness, not health, not a career, not a long life, not a wonderful marriage, 
He promises that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now that's a promise that is never broken and can never be matched. You see, when we worship God and elevate him, you and I can stand in the ashes of our burned down house, of our broken down business, of our broken down car, of our sick child, of this financial insecurity and say, praise God. Because my God is alive and well. So I ask you today, do you have idols in your life? Here's some warning signs. You find yourself wanting something so badly that you are willing to sell the farm to make it happen. You're willing to sell the farm to make it happen. It might be an idol. Or things become more important than people. This thing, if I could have that and have something better and have like two of them or three of them or four of them or a red one and a blue one. And if I can store them away and get another. Listen, if things become more important than people, it might be an idol. Or when you're looking to something other than Jesus to bring you satisfaction, contentment, and happiness, it's probably an idol. That job, that position, that possession, that figure, that health, that house, that amount, that achievement, that success, that business, that relationship. You see, idolatry makes sense. It would. It would make sense if we were to live here the rest of our lives. But we don't. And you can look in our world to people who aren't Christ followers. They think this is it. And so they continue to buy more toys and find happiness and contentment and stuff. Listen to me. We're only passing through. We're aliens and strangers here. Our homeland is yet to come in the presence of Jesus Christ in heaven. The only, the only lasting cure for idolatry. The only, only lasting cure. The only, only lasting cure for idolatry is a passionate love for Jesus Christ. That's it. So I ask you in closing, do you have idols in your life? If you do, the sins of the fathers and the mothers will be passed down to that little baby, to the baby of that baby, to the baby of that baby and that baby. And one day they'll look back and say, why didn't he get it right? But if you love God and are passionate for him, there's a promise attached that a thousand generations, generations can look back, way back and say, I am so grateful for great, 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 because they love God more than anything else. Help us today, God. Convict us, strip away our idols, get us back on track with you, and may we desperately and feverishly run after you in Jesus' name. Amen.